NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called... Um, the Obviously, sharing's always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. Taking like a wit, please. Um, a bit of advice, yeah. I refer to the great cricketer here, and I'll say this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, Australia claimed the ODI series, and we and we get a first enormous look at the biggest of big boys, Cameron Green, before Pandya changes his bat, and India take the T Twenty series in Canberra and Sydney. We're talking concussion laws, blow-ups, Captain Wade, Australia Ray, Dawood Milan, England's COVID tour of South Africa, Kane Williamson's 251 on a fake news green deck, and the BBL kicking off on Thursday. The Honourable Kevin Rudd, 26th Prime Minister of Australia, is of course on the show to discuss PM's 11s, handball kings, sledging, and his petition for a Royal Commission. Hashtag AskTDC involves a wonderful story about seeing your heroes on the circuit. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. We can get all your Christmas gifts, your smugglers, your accessories using the code CHAMP at checkout at budgiesmuggler.com. Of course, all of our interviews this season are sponsored by Ponting Wines. You can get 10% off a price of a case of Ponting Wines using the code GETAFEW at checkout. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash great cricket for more exclusive content every single week. My name is Ian Higgins. And I'm joined by Sam Perry Pez. Well, we're into the summer now, mate. We're into yeah. it. We're into it. Yeah, an absolute overload of cricket now. Don't know what to do. Well, talk, I'd, talk about it, I guess. I guess we just should just have a chat, chat about it. Yeah. Just tell some stories. Yeah. Just give the just give the people what they want. Yeah. And what the people want is Cameron Green. And that is all they want. And how much of him is there? Still a question. Still some. Still some. Yeah. It's still spurious. some conjecture. I, I can reveal one thing. He goes in relation to this broader theme about height. You posed a very important question last week, and for those who have just joined the show, obviously to hear the interview with Kevin Rudd, the Honourable Kevin Rudd, AC, twenty six Prime Minister, uh, speaking like one of those politics guys at the end of the ads. <laughs> yeah, um, that's how we got him. You mentioned last week in the broader theme about height and size and Cameron Green that mm. perhaps height is the only thing in life where people round down. You know, yeah, we always yeah, round right. up in cricket. Yeah. You know, you hit 16, you're 20 yeah. odd, etc. We've gone yeah. through this before. We've mined it. Yeah. Depressingly so. Yeah. I got a note from uh, acclaimed, acclaimed DJ, uh, Joyride. Right. Okay. No Joyride. 
uh, in a personal capacity, and he just wrote privately me, privately to me, mm-hmm. and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but mm-hmm. he's a big boy, mm-hmm. uh, very tall is, guy, yeah. and in great shape, by the way, if you're right. listening, Joyride, a fantastic shape, great rig. He wrote to me and he said, I'm 203 centimetres, but say two metres when people ask. Mm. Feels better out of the mouth. Hope mm. you're well, brother. <laughs> now, if you're giving your height in metres, yeah. just a nice ease. I'm two metres. Two metres. I'm two metres big. It does the job, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. You know what I mean? You don't have to point, put any GST on it. Well, at that point, it doesn't matter how big. I mean, yeah. if you start saying, I'm two metres. Two metres. How tall are you? Two metres. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. I know we'd, I'll be giving and taking yeah. for that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway. So green's in that sphere. We saw Green, though. He's not grainy anymore. We see what he looks like. I think Mm -hmm. you mentioned on Twitter, he looks like he's uh, just finished rowing training or Mm -hmm. his dad's picked him up from from Chambers. Mm -hmm. I just added that in. But um, (laughs) he's taller than Hazelwood, who's 1.96 centimetres. They say Green's 1.98. Starting to get close to 1.98. He can round that up to two, can't he? Are you able to round up if you're not two, though? How does Joyride feel about that at 203 centimetres? Well, you're not two. You're not two. You're not two. You know, I had how'd you go on the week? I hit ninety eight. It's not a hundred. That'd be the same as you're playing. I play first grade. Yeah, you were in the trial for first grade. Yeah, you su- you subfielded. You played possibles v probables, and a couple of first graders were in that side. Yes, you were accidentally selected, even though you're in fourth grade because someone else called Sam. Mickey Edwards doesn't say I played for Australia when he subfielded mm. the SCG all those mm. years ago. He may well do. He that. may well do actually, and he's actually entitled to do that. He's entitled to. to be but fair. that's not so the same as being one point nine. Okay. No, yeah. Oh yeah, back to that. Now yeah. this is now this comes on in the structure pairs where we during the winter months down down under. We were saying, you know, Zach Crawley, wonderful 270 against Pakistan. Odd, yeah. Odd. But it's all a bit tall. And we thought, oh, you coined the phrase, tall runs are weird runs. <laughs> and and that applies to Cameron Green, right? But there is an offset of thickness. And by God, there's some thickness on this chap. We haven't seen shoulders like these since Hayden. And that was a question we had because he's only 19, isn't he, Green? He's a, a he's, I think he might be 20. Right. Right, he rounds it up because <laughs> you can't round up if you're a 20 year old. Someone's no, 19, I'm 20. No, you're not. Are you 19? By the time you're 19, you're holding on to that number, I think. I can well, if you unless are. you're in the US and you want, yeah. all the birthdays stop counting after about 21. Yeah, okay, separate issue. That's yeah. a different podcast. I got some other stuff going on. Uh, yeah, anyway, what, what are we talking about? Yeah, tall runs, real weird runs, but it's offset by thickness. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, we got we got to see him. He goes, yeah, and sorry. Uh, he made twenty odd on he debut. Did. Yeah, twenty one. But the clubbing of the mm. of the in that um in that yeah. in the ODI and and there was a um there was a sort of a, a sledging incident. There was a verbal barb thing that I think you're about to introduce. Well, perhaps, him. perhaps, yeah. Well, I mean, so so he walks out to the crease. Yeah. K.R. Rahul, wicket keeping. Yeah, uh, apparently, India. apparently one of the nicest guys going around. Oh. Cameron Green's walking to the wicket. Got a view on this. He's walking to the wicket. K.O. Rahul says, are you nervous? Cameron Green replies, yeah, I am a bit. Rightfully so. Big occasion. First international match. Australia, under lights. One of the first matches of the summer. The yeah. third, in fact. I counted them. Mm. And, and, he's, and he's expecting probably something back from K.O. Rahul, who just replies, go well, youngster. All of a sudden, Cameron Green's thinking, um, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. You're fucking yeah. right, you will. Yeah. That's a mind fuck of all sorts. In the meantime, Vrat Coley sledging Aaron Finch at the non-strikers yeah. end, Finch giving it back to him. Cameron Green's just caught in the crosshairs here. Yeah. What? It's confusing. Now listen, Green it, it was it, Green was so moved by this incident of Kale Rahul saying something nice to him yeah. at international level that he was he was moved to speak about it in the presser yes. afterwards. Yes. You know, what happens on the field stays on the field, etc. Yeah. But Green's like, I need to sort of relay this publicly. Mm. Now, is this normal? I, and, and many would say, take it on face value and say, well, isn't that nice? 
isn't cricket starting to return to the realm of the gentleman's sport, you know? Mm. Gentlemanly conduct. Now, mm. I have a different view on this. Mm. I think this is a genius play from K.O. Rahul, and I'm going to tell you why. I think this is fourth dimension sledging. Okay. Okay? By Ford HS. So, so Ford HS. K.O. Rahul says, how are you feeling, youngster? All right? Mm-hmm. And immediately, Green's internal radar starts flashing. <laughs> this ain't right. He's rattled. Yeah. This is a 9-11 level of response. <laughs> Police. <laughs> Firefighters internally going off in his head. What the fuck is this? Yeah, he's talked about it in the press conference. Obviously, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's the main memories you have from the match. Well, and and the reason, if I can interject, is because he would have grown up playing club cricket in Australia. I was say. You walk to the wicket. I mean, Cameron Green would have been playing first grade when he was eight, uh, for height reasons mostly, I'm sure. But like, but he's just he would have been absolutely peppered with sledging from a, a, you know a, his entire career. Gets to the highest realm in international cricket, and everyone's nice to him all of a sudden. What? What's think, this? Think about the environments he's grown up in. Cameron Green. I often do. And, he's tri- yeah, and so do I. Yeah, at the regatta. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what environments were around his cricket? Is it a is it a rowing thing? It's a blonde hair? Yeah. I don't know. One time so, he had to wear old boat shoes. So much to fill in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah th- th- what about the environments he's traversed to get to international level? All the way, all of, you know, they call it pathways now, but more than that, backyard, grade cricket, lower grades if he played them at all, mm. grade training, mm-hmm. 17s, 19s, state cricket, mm. Aussie 90s if he even played that. He's probably mm. eligible for that this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, state training, etc. The entire social contract of Australian cricketers yeah. is based around jousting. Yes, jousting. It's, and it's based around and like um, antagonising mm-hmm. with your jousting. Mm. So K.L. Rahul fucking mm-hmm. misdirects him, yeah. throws him off. How are you feeling today, youngster? Yeah. Go well. Go yeah. well today, youngster. Yeah. So, yeah, 9-11, firefighters. What the fuck are you playing at, going on here? Fucking alarm, like sirens in his head. Yeah. And so Green responds with a little bit of misdirection of his own. Mm. Takes him on face value, you know, like, you know, and I, 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 I kind of um, – Sheep is bringing this back to me, but like Doug Bollinger, like I once hit a single off him and it went for five for four overthrows. And he says, you know, the next one's coming, don't you? And there was extra bits in there as well. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I don't. You take it on face value. <laughs> or like, you know, I'm trying to think of an American, you know, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You, yeah. know, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> yeah. In green, in this yeah. case, you know, he's like, are you nervous? And green says, yeah, I am I a am. little bit. Like he actually concedes yeah. it. Yeah. Now it's just two blocks having a chat. Um, Kale Rahul triples down on this. Yeah. And he says, uh, you know, he's jousting, but without the antagonism. He goes, go well, youngster. Green's like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> the whole thing is flipped upside down. Yeah. You know, it's a knockout punch. Like yeah. they say, kill them with kindness. They he do. goes. They do. He's flawed. Yes. He's on, he's, on the, he's on the deck. And it was a tentative start from Green, poking and prodding and can he, he couldn't nerdle it around. Yeah. Right behind him. He started clubbing them later. Yeah. That's all right. That's just the, the athlete coming yes. into play. And that's him to clubbing. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. He, yeah. he clubbed it. Clubbing. Clubbing them. Uh, anyway, he goes on to he's, – he's obviously made 100, he goes, in the Australia A game. Yes, in the yeah. bat-off that was yeah. the Australia A game on a yeah. green, spicy deck of Dremoyne. Mm. Um, and again, this innings from all reports. So we watched a little bit of it yesterday. Beautifully describes uh, – I love listening to Kerry O'Keefe mm. on Kaya, like he's when he's allowed to analyse and stuff, and when he does, it's great. And he was sort of explaining that, like, this was a very patient innings from Green. Everyone else fell around him. He was patient. It was precise. He summed up the conditions uh, when all else around him failed. All the other top-order bats failed around him. Mm-hmm. Um, these were not Adelaide Park 25 runs. They weren't. Uh, these were tough runs. Mm. It was the antithesis of highly yeah. levered bombs that yes. you'd expect from a clubber mm. at 200 centimetres, give or take. 
and played on a Sydney Test ground. Exactly. Yeah. Like Dromore Oval. Yes. Uh, and still, you know, the article screamed this morning. Geez, big, isn't he? He'll <laughs> <laughs> never escape it. You know, and I'm just thinking. He goes, at what time do we? At, at what point do we start talking about sizeism with Cameron Green? Like Cameron Green wakes up right. this morning, he's toughed out a hundred yep. to again. Yeah. To say to the selectors, these aren't Peterson runs. These aren't I'm, I'm a big boy runs, hitting them over the top on a third grade ground mm. when everyone else fails. This is literally like I am – this is precision personified. Mm-hmm. This is shot selection, all the things you don't expect from 200 centimetres. Mm-hmm. All right, He's now going to be referred to as 200 centimetres. Mm-hmm. And still in the morning it's like, mate, how big is he? I, like, I don't want to – Does he start to think like, boys, can we stop talking about my size? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm a bat. I'm sure. I'm a bat who bowls 140s through the chest. Well, there's that, there's that as well. Now, if you're talking about 4D chest, though, Pez, because yes. he was dropped shockingly Queen's so. On, yeah, he was dropped shockingly so on 24 right. in that third, fourth right. slip. I know they keep saying as well when he made his 100s, like, and he's had a bit of luck today. It's like, okay, fuck, everyone has a bit of luck when they score 100. Yeah, but now I'm thinking, like, are India playing games or getting back into the test team? They're oh, getting, yeah, getting in contention that. now. Yeah. Like, they're showing. Well, yeah, you know, like, the, I reckon the third, fourth slip drop catch, now all slips catches are hard, except for those ones. Th- three and four. Three and four. Let thicker thick edge, edge, thicker edge. edge slower. You see more, it better. It's more of a parabolic yeah. arc to it yeah. as opposed to the, like the first slip, maybe the keeper's coming across, second yeah. slip can come fast as yeah. well, maybe even cut shots can yeah. go there sometimes. Third slip, back foot, nah, that's yeah. pretty gentle. Shelled. Yeah. Shelled on 24. Getting yeah. to the test team all of a sudden. It's And, it, you know, India is playing 4D chess this whole They're time. something. They've got the Wanger specialist. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Who's just got out of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Started winning, haven't they? Pan just fucking people's minds with his bat. Mm-hmm. Bringing his bat on two overs to go, et cetera. We might get to that. Mm-hmm. They're shelling chances um, deliberately. And, yeah, and how seriously can you take Green's 100 when Ravi Ashwin's bowling in a hat? <laughs> it's like, yeah, everything was great about it. Everyone nicked off, fast wicket, yeah. doing a bit, yeah. great precise shot selection. Ashwin's bowling in a hat, though, brother. Uh, now, uh, we're getting some areas here about yeah. people saying that's so great cricket. That's not fucking great cricket because no. great cricketers, all they want to be is test cricketers. They're replicating what test players do. They're, they're buying all the same kit. They're buying all the same kit because mm-hmm. they want to look like they want to mm-hmm. They say they don't buy, but they're pristine yeah. white selection. You know, everything looking good. You know, speed deals in the back of the cap yeah. if you're feeling at points. Yeah. You know, put them in the They're front priming. They the say you should wear, you know, j- dress for the job you want. Yeah. So fourth graders dress like it's a World Cup final in yeah, whites. Exactly. Yeah. Now, R- Ravi, Ravi Ashwin bowling in a hat. I yeah. I've never seen anyone bowling a hat in grade yeah. cricket. Yeah, he's training. Yeah. He's at training he's at in training. a first-class fixture. If he bowls it's in literally jeans, the opposite of, of, of grade cricket. <laughs> if he bowled in jeans... I, I've seen that before. I've at seen training. that before as I've well. Seen that before at training. Net. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the bike just comes down. Yeah, and they're always the best spinners. And that's moving into park territory. So let, and let's not mix stuff. up Graydon Park. I mean, the third net's the shit net, yeah. and that does lean a little yeah. bit into some mm, preseason. It's a little bit how you going. Yeah, it's a little bit how you going. Yeah, but those people who turn up to grade trials in yeah. hats in the third net in yeah. jeans, mm-hmm. they don't make mm-hmm. the squad on mm-hmm. um, aesthetic and sartorial decisions alone, <laughs> and they get shoveled off. <laughs> To park cricket. It's, so again, don't tell us it's grade cricket. It's like turning up for an audition for a you know a western wearing a suit. Mm. You know that you're just not going to get picked. If you mm. turn up to a grade training and you're wearing like a you know uh, an England ODI shirt, yeah, you might as well get the fuck out of here, mate. Yeah. You're gonna you give me throwdowns for 45 minutes and fuck off. Yeah. So the question is, what weight do we put behind Cameron? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> what weight do we put down? Jay's green battle. Yeah, 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 he's really, a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, one one final thing on this is with, with the relationship to grade cricket. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sarah Berman is a scorer at North Sydney yes, and made is. her first class debut as mm-hmm. a scorer recently. Congratulations mm-hmm. to Sarah Congratulations for that. To Sarah. And Sarah uh, 
uh, scored this match or is scoring this match, and yes. she took a picture of the scorecard. Yeah, and we forget about the sco- the actual the manual scorebook Often. when it comes to uh, first class and Test cricket. But the manual scorebook was always there, and it always tells more of a story and has more narratives than just the digitized scoreboard mm. or whatever you see on TV. He goes, yeah. now um, Sarah took a photo of it. It's a great photo of. Um, of the day's play, and because it's from above, it's actually the this, this, this scene we've all seen when yeah. we're looking over the score, a shoulder, <laughs> pretending after we get out, pretending to work out how many overs this bloke's got left or how many we're on. Yeah. When you're actually just calculating or tabulating how many you've got. Yeah. And the thing you note about it is because everyone else failed, you know, mm. Pekowski failed, Burns failed, Harris failed, right. Head failed, ish, ish, you know, Green massive runs, and then Maddinson. Uh, and yeah, whatever. Paying your 40. Pay, yeah, yeah uh, d- underneath. What you see is fail, 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 massive, massive. score, mm. ones and fours, everything there, and mm. then everything underneath. And it's just kind of like you sort of draw a picture of it and you're like, it kind of, th- the runs have more weight because the just the length of the numbers is yeah. longer yeah. on the scorecard. So even his innings is big. His innings is big. Everything yeah. about Green is big. And yeah. hot, you know, anyway. Was the photo taken, like, was Cameron Green's shadow just behind her? Behind, like, just just, yeah. just leaning yeah. over? Yeah. How many, how many overs has yeah. got left? Yeah. Yeah, whilst I... How many Ashwin bowl? Yeah. <laughs> what was my partnership with Payne? He's just working that out. No, he's not. He's just counting. Well, he also bowled Cameron Green. Mm. This is this fucking the Cameron Green show now. He also yeah. bowled Cameron Green and Travis Head was quite as saying, oh, I'm impressed, but I've never seen him bowl before. <laughs> Someone sent him to us in our DMs. He'd actually bowled, he'd actually got Travis Head out two years before <laughs> for 87. <laughs> fucking rolled him. Exactly. Ca- Travis Head never seen him. Head's kept, yeah, never seen him play. I don't remember playing you, brother. Does what he wants. Yeah. Okay. Um... Well, that's so uh, that's that. That's that. That's okay. the show. Now, the Australia-India T20 series, Pez. I've got to say, a couple of great games of cricket. I've really enjoyed the cricket. Can you believe it? Like this, the Sydney one. I mean, at belting game of cricket. Yeah. Um, Could it be that we're about to have a good summer of cricket between two teams playing cricket at a high level and we might enjoy the games? Wouldn't have thought so. It's going to be all the narratives and gossip around it. But what? still, yeah. the height of Cameron Green. <laughs> Just spoken for 20 <laughs> minutes on Cameron Green. I mean, who starts these conversations? Yeah. I don't really yeah. know. Um. I mean, Pandy is just amazing. Yeah. He's fucking rock star. Yeah, he's like got it. he's got tattoos on his neck. I'm fucking into it. He's yeah. changing his bat. There's some mythology right behind the bat. Yeah, why does he just come out with the bat in our heads? He's, he's more head games. Yeah, I like it from India. Um, you know, in the second T20, when Daniel Sam's playing his first international game, he's playing congratulations his first game to him. Game of cricket, Coley first wicket, not, not bad. Um, and he has to bowl the last over to Hardik yeah. Pandya, yeah. and he hit him for two sixes in the final over, the second of which was one of the cleanest sixes yeah. I've ever seen. And it wasn't because of the shot necessarily, the connection to it. It was the stillness of the base. It was the head that was down. He's These guys are hitting fucking so many sixes in training, in matches. They're playing cricket every fucking 45 It's minutes. driving range stuff, isn't it? It's driving range stuff, mate. Yeah. Like, so to describe it, Sam's bowls, perhaps, you know, T-ball-esque, you know, where would you exactly want it if I could criticise Daniel? And I will. He bowled the Having right. bowled a few uh, death overs yourself. Yes, of course, at, at, <laughs> at, at a high level, level. Yeah, under lights at yeah. the SCG. Yeah. Yeah. I just said training sometimes when they say six to go and you've got to yeah. plan it out and yeah. set your field and stuff. I'm usually doing some fielding training, but like, yeah. oh, he goes, come in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just have a long on. and Yeah, yeah. so I set a field, yeah. yeah. He's 45, actually. Yeah. He actually ends up covering 60 metres either Now, side. I always have three slips, but I've got four men out in the hook. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's a very confusing field. Um, anyway, so he bowls his ball and it's like just perfect ball and just yeah. handy just – Fucking gets underneath it, but he keeps his head down the entire time. So he's hit it for six, and he's still looking at where the ball's pitched. Yeah. And I was like, that is fucking alpha. Hey, Shreyas Iyer did the same thing a few mm. uh, overs before off Zampa. Mm. Zampa, yeah. And the, yeah, the thing you noted from it was just how his head stayed down almost the entirety of the arc of the ball. Yeah. And it was like, it's, it's kind of, it was like an Brad Menard of cricket. 
uh, shot. It's like, keep your head down. It, it, I mean, he obviously, mm. Bremen never hit six, and that's no. one of the uh, big blots on his copybook. But yes. um, just would have been good if he could go a bit aerial. Just had a few, yeah. access a few different areas. <laughs> <laughs> to access a few more areas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, that's why he wouldn't have been good at T20. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was good from India. It was good cricket. Mm-hmm. Australia playing their second team-ish. But, yeah, I mean, kind of lost amid all of the, uh, you know, the, the politics and the gossip and uh, the hoo-ha is that it was a really good game of cricket. It mm-hmm. went deep. India, you know. Uh, and just shows, you know, T20 cricket can just hang on a couple of moments here and there, can't it? Um, in that second T20 uh, Wade was captain of the side. It was, it was um, mm. remarkably under strength, you have to say. Stark yeah. has mm. left the bubble for a family illness. Finch yeah. was injured. Warner's injured. Obviously, they've rested Cummins, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. And so Smith played. Yep. Um, and they've given the, the captaincy to Wade in that game, who is the vice captain. Um, but I reckon um, that that's a bit of a signifier. Yeah. That I think that would have been if, – if, I think if Smith was going to captain Australia again, and again, obviously just opinion, what the fuck do I know, but like – uh, if Smith was going to captain Australia again, that would have been a perfect game to just give him one. You know, it's behind the paywall on Fox. It is uh, a fairly meaningless T20 series. Uh, it's a it's an understrengthened side. Mm. Just give him that game, just a little test of waters mm. again, just to you know break the ice, so to mm. speak, in yep. terms of like he's going to give it. They're going to give it back to him in a couple couple yep. of months' time or whatever. Oh, you know, in, in a year's time after yep. Payne retires, softening us up, softening us up. Exactly mm. right. Thank you. Uh, but they didn't. They gave it to Wade. Yeah, they went for the uh, the the interim appointment. So, like, they asked Cricket Australia and Langer about this, and there was an intimation that to have appointed Smith for that game at short notice uh, was difficult because the appointment of a new captain requires a, a certain process uh, in Australian cricket. Like, you've got to go to the board or, or something. You've got to go to the Queen. You've got to go to the Queen. You've got to write. Yeah. The, you actually need a referendum. Uh, <laughs> Majority of votes in a majority of states. And we'll ask okay. Mr. Rudd about yes, that later. Yes, yes. Uh, but, um, and so I think there was an, look, I'm paraphrasing, but it was an intimation that like, because of the political element of reappointing Smith, they didn't have enough time to go to the board and get it all done. So I think that permits Langer to sort of hold his cards close to his chest around what he thinks, around what should happen next, etc. cetera. Uh, it definitely gave an opportunity for a few people to come out and show their cards on what they think should happen next. Like I know Mark Taylor, former captain, you know, test captain and former board member, was very strong in saying he thinks Smith should be able to get it back. Uh, and, yeah, like technically he's eligible. He was eligible to do it. He's, he's eligible to yeah. lead. And they opted not... And he's, you know, for him not to leave. And he's kept his IPL um, team. So he was a candidate. Uh, so I, I, there was an interesting um, story from Peter Lawler about this on his podcast with Gideon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was saying, um, he was talking about how uh, Smith was interviewed the other, Smith who gave Cameron Green, again, how tall is he, um, mm-hmm. his cap for the ODI, yeah. was interviewed later and they asked Smith, oh, what, this is Lawler who said this, but they asked Smith, oh, what do you think of Cam Green? And Smith sort of armed an art and said, mm. uh, I haven't had a great chance to get to know him because I've been batting, you know, I've been batting mm. and doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like getting to know him is the sort of thing that you would mm-hmm. kind of charge a captain with, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Smith is in his batting bubble, which is his job at the moment, you mm-hmm. know? And there's a lot of people who are thinking like, just prefer him in his batting bubble, you know? You shouldn't have to do those things if it doesn't kind of come naturally to him and that's the, uh, he should just be left that way, like... You know, I think it's so. I think it's it's tragic and devastating for Smith that he's kind of lost the captaincy and, mm-hmm. and, and the way he was dealt with. But like, mm-hmm. I do think fundamentally they've developed a better leadership apparatus uh, beyond him. You know? Well, I agree, mate. And I think um, 
I can't remember if we've spoken about it here or just privately, but um, you know, for Smith to not get it back seems to me to be the right thing to do, only because I think that there's a better leadership apparatus in place already, and I think exactly. someone else could probably do the better job. As but demonstrated by what they've done since, that doesn't take away from the fact that if someone is given it, you know, some, like if it's Head or, mm. or, or um, you know Cummins or whoever it is, mm. um, that that would feel like he's being punished again. Hundred percent. And I maintain all the way through that. In my opinion, it was a fucking disgrace mm. what happened to Steve Smith mm. and the way that the way that he was treated mm. um, from basically every corner of um, the the apparatus. It was itself. taken from him for many many reasons beyond his own leadership for yes. like for decades of stuff that went on, and it, it's absolutely agonising for him. Mm-hmm. However, separate like you, you can't separately you can't uh, just have a stick know, reappoint him captain. Yeah. Just because um, you are atoning for something went wrong, I mean, right. like cricket Australia, uh, right. Australian cricket has moved forward, and I think that there are. It's kind of demonstrated that that new way of leading and their new, you know, uh, mo is working for them. And so, the best interest of Australian cricket is to probably have someone new and, uh, you know, encourage Steve Smith to have a stick, mate. <laughs> Don't worry about meeting the big boy. Just have a stick. Just get your eight million throwdowns. Uh, Pez, the BBL starts on yeah. Thursday. The Hurricanes are against the Sixers. All the teams are in the bubble at the moment, and we know for a fact that they're all trying to figure out what the fuck to do with these rules. Yeah, <laughs> and there was a good story from Andrew Wu in the Tonk about there being like a big players meeting. Okay. I was in Sydney Morning Herald, but like a big players meeting about how to work through fucking hub life and stuff like that, and someone was saying, look, this is a shit show because, you know, <laughs> like you're allowed to sit next to your family at a restaurant but not with them, and like yeah, yeah, people yeah. are allowed to restock the fridge but you can't touch the mini bar. There's a few issues around the mini bar apparently. Yeah. Rightly so. Yeah, rightly, rightly so. so. If you just cooped up in a hotel the whole time, want access to that bad boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> want access to that bad boy. <laughs> Talk about accessing different areas. Uh, but yeah, apparently the the one that they're all freaking out about is uh, the the power play or what's that called the power surge or some shit. But um, so there's the bash boost, the power surge, and the X factor. The X factor is obviously the the replacement of the subs. I'm yeah. not. Sh- power, I, it has to be power surge. Is it, power surge. Is it power surge? Power surge. <laughs> power surge is when the lights go off, isn't it? Anyway, um, <laughs> the bash boost is a is a drink from Boost Juice. Ah, I'm always mixing those two yeah. up. It's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> Talking off air to like uh, Dan Christian. Yeah, who's worried he's going to be an X Factor sub because he's an yeah. all rounder anyway. Yeah, uh, and he was saying like the well, he was worried about that. Then they played some trial matches and he hit a thirty three ball hundred, <laughs> so I think he's going to be okay. But they're just saying like how difficult this power play is going to be. There's extra two overs, mm. and so he said it's just going to be a barrage of sixes and then we like barrage of bombs and then we spoke to, spoke to Steve O'Keefe yesterday. He won't mind us saying off air things either. Some of them, uh, and he told us how <laughs> like um. Yeah, <laughs> Greg Shippard, the Sixers coach, just like absolutely flogged them yesterday, yeah. making them play in the in the second power play yeah. uh, structure. Yeah. And he was just saying it was just bombs galore. Yeah. It just changes the entire game. And yeah. he was he was like, he made them do it for like thirty overs, and <laughs> balls were just mate, balls just bombs just raining everywhere. And he's like, man, I did well. I only went for twenty six off my two. Yeah. So you know, micro contests. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like you know there are two two players outside the circle or or and yeah, I mean, like it can be going really well, and then it's just like yeah, we're going to do another two here, completely changes the game. I got to say that you know for all the um the arming and arring and the um you know the hyperbole around you know these rules, it's just going to be on, and it's going to be like oh now they're doing the the power yeah. surge or whatever, and it's going to be like oh yeah this this yeah. is good, that's fine, yeah, your life will continue, it's all good. Yeah, you know what I was thinking yesterday is just off the off the. Uh, off the top of my head, but like when Australia playing in that last T20, like yeah. I just with you know father duties, 
Uh, and I call myself a father just for extra gravitas. Must but uh, nice. I tuned in for the last five overs of the game. Uh, I had it on, but then Which I sat game, down. Sorry. Australia, India, sorry, sorry going yeah, back sorry, to the sorry, SCG. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sort of reminded me of like of NBA. You know how you tune in for the last sort of quarter or last five oh, minutes yeah, yeah, of the yeah, NBA? Yeah. It goes and now everyone's just taking it deep, you know, and it just seemed to be a game taken really deep. Australia were always ahead, but India just sort of had them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just wonder if there's going to be a bit of that in the BBL as well. Yeah. If it, a team's going to look really far ahead, but then yeah. the power surge will bring them back. I mean, very interesting yeah. stuff. Well, the, the power surge might be the one where you can get a bonus point up to 10 overs. <clears throat> that might be that. I don't know. We'll mm. figure it out on Thursday when it's on television. Mm. Hurricanes versus Sixers first game Thursday night. So that for versus seven. England. Uh, Pez. Now, the final T20, which happened about a month and a half ago, David Milan scored 99 not out to win the game. He goes before, we were saying before, he's one of the best T twenty players in the world at the moment. He's kind of he's actually going to come into the um, into the bubble for he's playing for the Hurricanes. Mm. England won that series three 0 Now the first ODI was supposed to happen on Sunday, mm. and it's all kicked off there, mate. Because on Friday, Safria player tested positive for COVID. Then on Sunday, two hotel staff where they're all being bubbled um, tested positive, positive, and then two England two of the England parties were all tested positive on Sunday. So they pushed the match back a couple of hours. Then it was suspended completely. This is um. This is a like, there's heaps of layers to this. First of all, Australia's supposed to Australia is scheduled to tour there next year, yeah. and it also reminds me that like um, how good things are in Australia, and we kind of forget, don't we? Like things like there's fucking crowds of the SCG. Actually, as of yesterday, I think all the restrictions, most of the restrictions, have gone. So there's dancing in clubs again, full house of the SCG if they want it from now on. Yeah. Um, you know, even Melbourne where it's been horrendous. Uh, you know, in, in Australian terms, anyway. Um, it's still going to be like 30,000 people with the Boxing Day test. Right. Um, it's so good here. And then you kind of forget that it's actually never – it's never been worse. COVID's never right. been worse everywhere else except for person's here. dying every 30 seconds in the US yeah. of COVID. Yeah. It's getting bad. Like I know there's a vaccine out now thanks to the other countries having a crack at that yeah. first. Use the code. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're pleased to bring on Pfizer. <laughs> champ or be champed. And you'll be, we'll be fast tracked for the. We brought Pfizer on the board. Get a few. Yeah. Here's the yeah. code. Get a few. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I'd imagine Australia's tour to South Africa would be, um, yeah, a bit how you're going. Well, in the circumstances, unless they get that vaccine going, I reckon. And I reckon there'd be yeah. a couple of players in Australia who wouldn't be too. Um, displeased. That would be devastated. Given that there's about 14 other Australian matches on at that time as well, so they're always, yeah, already right. going to have to choose. That's right. I was thinking about Warner with his injury, you know, and like yeah. having a bit of um, – and you're right, Australia's going very well and we should be very yeah. grateful for how things are in Australia at the moment. But, right. like, I think, you know, how devastated would Warner be at the moment to have a bit of an enforced break from <sighs> cricket, li- given he was, like, literally in and out of bubbles till, like, June. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, a guy loves hanging out with his family, like we yeah. all do. Really, having yeah. a bit of time off. I know, he's, of course, he's trying to get back, but like, um, it still all just feels like it still feels a little bit strange and distanced and dystopian that this cricket's even happening. Yeah. You know, and we're lucky just to have it on because it's a little bit of a pastime. Um, um, but I'm kind of happy for Warner, and I hope the players get a chance to have a few breaks uh, here and there because it, it would be so strange. Like we 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 um. Mm. Walked past Kane Richardson the other day and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm allowed to, like, you know, go to this coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's quarantining, like, coffee shop, like, you know, five metres from his house or whatever, but then yeah. back in. And, and it'd be very strange for them given that, like, there's just zero cases around Melbourne or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because now that 
like most of Australia is pretty COVID normal. Yeah. You know, there's lots of normal life here. And so I think in a global sense, Australia needs the sport less yeah. than what perhaps the rest. Of, so mm. I'm thinking like, for instance, the Big Bash starting, I reckon there's people in the UK who are, I know they had the, in the Premier League, they've got 2,000 fans back in some cities in the tier, yeah. they've got tiered systems going on over there. But, um, but they might need the Big Bash more because it's on and it's sport and it's an escape and it's more reality. They're going, they'll see crowds in Australia. It's like things things will be back soon. Whereas in Australia, we're fucking out at bars and we're standing up in pubs now and it's actually much more normal here. So it's almost yeah. for the rest of the world because I'm thinking as well, if I lead this into the New Zealand West Indies series, New Zealand, uh, the West Indies players, they couldn't train for two weeks because of a whole bunch of them um, broke the quarantine rules. They, Pakistan are in New Zealand as well. Six of those players tested yeah. positive on the way over. There's fucking COVID everywhere. Mate. And more stuff is going to get cancelled. If that, that's I, right, and yeah. I don't know about the rollout of these of this vaccine because I live in Australia, so we only care about our own little corner. Yeah, that's but, right. But uh, yeah, it, I feel like it's the aberration is that Australia is going pretty well at yeah. the moment. Well, um, Kane Williamson's going also pretty yeah, well. Yeah. Um, speaking of vaccines, nice. Yeah, New Zealand's um, going well too. I suppose. So you you were, you were seeing the meme going around uh, of the the pitch that there was um, was played for the first test. So the greenest thing I've ever seen. Very hard mm. to actually decipher which was the outfield, which was the pitch. Mm. It was that green, but that's also what they need to do in New Zealand because of the weather conditions and stuff. The pitch doesn't crack up as much as it does even in Australia in some cities and states. Okay. So, it doesn't, so, so it doesn't, so it doesn't spin, you know, it doesn't like spin like Adelaide can spin at the end of a game, you know, for instance, Sydney famously at the end, perhaps. <laughs> Are you told, like, you, you know a bit about pitches? I don't, I don't fuck some, all about pitches. Yeah. I was just, I was reading about yeah. it, read it before. It's just like the, the weather conditions, they don't have like the, um, you know, they, it's much harder to make a, 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 a much more even contest because they've scored, New Zealand have scored fucking massive runs recently in the last couple of years. When we were going to interview Colin de Gronome, I had a question about him. They played against Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Damn it. One of those two. And they scored 700. That was about maybe a year ago. They're, they're scoring bulk runs over there. Anyway, Kane Williamson, still, he's still fucking pretty good, isn't he? Yeah. He's also about to become a father for the first time, so he might leave a couple of test matches. Yeah, but you always play better sport when you come back as a father because everything's in perspective. Joe Root didn't. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm waiting to see how Kane Richardson goes. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. So, thank you. Congratulations. Pez, we're about to speak to um, a former prime minister of the country. That's right. Sometimes you have moments doing this and you think, what the fuck? This is just a Twitter account. Mm. What's it about? Uh, it's about <laughs> at the grade level. That's uh, right. Very much looking forward to it. He goes, and as with all of our interviews, they are brought to you by Ponting Wines. Uh, again, not a sentence I imagined ever saying. And I, I just want to add another thing. We were lucky enough to be sent a few bottles. So I you're going to get a few soon. I am. Get a few. And uh, um, my wife wanted to sample the Sav Blanc yes. this week. As is her and want. I, as is her want. I'm, mm. not, I'm not that big on the white drop, but I said, okay, for the sake of oh, twist my arm. commerce. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm twisting my own arm. Uh, <laughs> so I had a go at the first session, Adelaide Hills Sav Blanc 2020. And... Uh, I would describe it as fresh. I would describe it as floral. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Not you know with with the uh, with the sun coming out in Melbourne. Not today, obviously. Put your park, put your put your ski parker on today. Yeah, obviously in the middle of December. Yeah. Yep. But uh, again, th- they've hit the mark once again. Ponting was hit the mark with his white, uh, you know, first session. Uh, if you want a case of that bad boy, mm-hmm. as we've said before, just use the code get a few at checkout. Pontingwines.com.au. Chuck and get a few. You're going to get ten percent. Ten off a case. It's pontingwines.com.au. Here's the Honourable Kevin Rudd. 
Okay, here goes. Today's guest wouldn't be aware of this, but we often introduce our guests by way of their numbers because yep. cricketers, as we know, are only their numbers. They're not their personality. It's just what they're, they've achieved. Now, I think the same may be able to be said about uh, this man and his achievements as well. So let me run through some numbers to kick <laughs> off. Elected to the House of Representatives for Griffith in 1998, re-elected 01, 04, 07, 2010, 2013, leader of the Federal Labor Party for four or so years, foreign minister for two and a bit years, prime minister of Australia on two separate occasions, and in his role as chair of the National Apology Foundation, owner of Melbourne's uh, Hamble's Melbourne Dog Shop. Uh, indeed, I, I can't think of an activity with greater parallels to grade cricket than the blood sport of politics with the alphas in government, the beaters in opposition and a sprinkling of rare units like Barnaby Joyce. Um, so it is with great pleasure that we welcome today former Prime Minister of Australia, the Honourable Kevin Rudd AC. Mr Rudd, welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. It's good to be on the Great Cricketer Podcast. I wouldn't have described Barnaby as a eunuch. <laughs> How would you describe him? Next question. <laughs> now, Mr. Rudd, because this, and I will call you Mr. Rudd if that's okay, uh, because this is a, a... Kevin, Kevin's fine. Kevin's okay. okay. Kevin, because this is a podcast of, uh, you know, integrity and journalistic repute, as you would know, uh, it's only fair we ask you a version of the question. We ask everybody to kick off. Uh, Kevin, what's your relationship to cricket? Uh, I um, really enjoy it. Uh, I have, um, since I was a kid... Uh, I played for the Yandina Sea Team uh, up here in uh, Queensland, uh, southeast Queensland. Yandina is a town of about 500 people. Uh, the fact that it could f uh, field an A team, a B team, and a C team says uh, what sort of dregs you were getting down to with the C team. Uh, and I basically was 12th man in the C team. So, uh, um, so I was a, a classic wicketkeeper batsman. Uh, and could do neither effectively. But I really did enjoy the game. So, And since being a kid, uh, whenever I've been able to get to watch a test match in the flesh, I've done so, the Gabba primarily. Um, and as Prime Minister, one of the great perks is um, uh, being able to um, select your own team for the Prime Minister's 11. That's mm -hmm. kind of fun. Uh, and um, uh, I really enjoy text, test, match, test match cricket. Of course, it's slow, <laughs> but I like it. Um, in, uh, in, you actually started the tradition in 2010, Kevin, by inviting both teams of whoever was playing in the Sydney Test to Kirribilli House. I mean, this is a great initiative for many reasons, but also gives us a chance to look at how professional athletes and politicians are cut from different cloths and, you know, giving us memes basically of, you know, ScoMo most recently. But, um, I mean, can you speak about how that came about that specifically and also maybe the place that cricket holds in Australian culture? Well, it struck me as kind of odd that we, um, you know, for the Sydney Test, given that you've got the Prime Minister's residence at Kirribilli, mm. and given that uh, you've got um, this major event, uh, which is the Sydney Test, due apologies to the Melbourne mob who we listening to this <laughs> I'll be as upset well, at that. <laughs> uh, is uh, why not? Um, and so I thought, you know, it doesn't take, doesn't cost an arm and a leg to throw the place open for a few beers. Uh, for uh, the uh, Australian team and whoever they're up against in that particular season. So that's it was just kind of my crazy idea. And I said, why don't we do this? And we should. So, um, uh, And uh, I, I'm glad 10 years later that tr the tradition continues. Mm. There'll be a pretty sizable crowd reacting to the fact we're interviewing you, Kevin, by saying, oh, 
come on, boys, just leave politics out of sport. Stick to cricket. You know, stick to cricket, boys. Uh, 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 to your mind, are uh, uh, politics and sport uncomfortable or easy bedfellows? Oh, look, I think the uh, the great Australian tradition is that whenever you go to a cricket match, a bit like going to the to football, you just leave your politics at the gate <laughs> when you go in because <laughs> you're there to enter an entirely different world. But what's the similarity? The similarity is um, uh, tactics and strategy, uh, offensive play and defensive play, front foot strokes and uh, being on the back foot. And in politics, let me tell you, uh, you're on the back foot more than you're on the front foot. Um, and always being uh, mindful of when that other bugger is going to send you a googly in question time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the metaphors are all there. Mm. But, but my deep respect for Australian sportsmen and women is this. We get uh, three or four years in a political term to demonstrate whether we've really screwed up or not. You guys, <laughs> you, you, you get a match or two, mm-hmm. uh, and basically it's all over if you're a batsman uh, within a delivery or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we, there is a longer and more generous, as it were, benchmark applied to your success or failure as a political leader compared with those poor buggers who go out in the middle. That's mm. kind of my view. Mm. I mean, we sort of look at politics, Kevin, you know, as basically two idiots from the internet. We sort of look at it from afar. You know, like how do politicians wake up every morning and they're just getting absolutely hammered from all day, every day, from the opposition, from the press, you know, sometimes, you know, in, in Australia in the last 10 years in federal, federal politics, anyway, you know, sometimes from their own party. You know, I mean, I mean, how 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 do you deal with sledging? You know, just mm. just that sort of that that aspect of just getting hammered all day. It seems. Yeah, well, I've um, it's a bit tricky uh, if you're uh, if you're a cricketer, for example. I imagine never having been a successful cricketer myself, always dreamed of being one. But you know, as my mother always said, aspiration always, in my case, exceeded ability by a factor of ten. <laughs> So, um, uh, but if you're being sledged in the newspapers, if you're a batsman or bowler or whatever, uh, or you're a slips fieldsman, you've dropped your 26 catch at second slip uh, in a row, uh, it affects you psychologically whether you choose to admit it or not. Mm. And growing up in the great Australian school of hard knocks, of course, we never admit it. Mm. But in the truth of our sort of uh, midnight confessions to those nearest and dearest to us, it does. So in politics, you wake up. My standard question to Therese would be, good morning, darling. What crimes against humanity have I committed today? <laughs> and uh, and uh, she, would, she would be, oh, here's a new one, she'd say. <laughs> You've just been accused of. Oh, I said, oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, when did I do that? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it does, uh, it can get under your skin. Mm. Um, if it's fair, though, and you've got um, respected cricketing journalists you call it for what it is, you know, mm. a good innings or a bad innings or a mediocre innings, uh, and they're fair in their judgments. I don't think anyone minds, even the players. Mm. But when you sense there's, let me call it an editorial agenda, uh, which is to do you in uh, just because they don't like you, um, uh, that's when uh, you start to get into a, an ugly place. Mm. So, uh, But, you know, as I said, I think um, people in political life have it much easier than those who put on the uh, the baggy green for Australia because they're under a microscope. Uh, every delivery, mm. uh, every moment in the field, do they scratch themselves on the on the arse inappropriately, etc. Mm. Um, you know, 
So uh, I think they have it harder than we do. Mm. Speaking of those parallels between politics and cricket, Kevin, um, b- before we jump into those themes that you were just mentioning earlier, you, you were speaking to Lee Sales last week and you referred to China's wolf warrior diplomacy and hairy-chested junior diplomats aiming to get noticed. Now, in cricketing terms, China strikes me as a fairly powerful club president um, with an axe to grind <laughs> and Australia Australia is more of a sort of a promising third grader trying to do well at their club. Um, what I'm asking is what's what's the best way to manage China? <laughs> The um, on or off the field. So, <laughs> oh, both. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, China's tricky. I mean, I, for my sins, I speak Chinese and um, I uh, lived and worked there um, for quite a number of years with Therese and uh, when our kids were little. Um, so I know the country reasonably well. Um, they are like, um, uh, I won't use cricketing analogies here because I'm, I'm bound to screw it up. But this is a country on the make. Um, They've uh, been on the back foot uh, for 100, 150 years. They're now on the front foot. Uh, They're very good at their offensive play. Um, uh, But at the same time, um, they've still got a lot of weaknesses in the side. Uh, Their fragilities in their politics, fragilities in their economy, uh, fragilities in uh, their approach to climate and climate um, change. Uh, it's also a dry country, at least the northern part of it. And for countries like Australia, I mean, part of our discipline is to uh, ourselves never take a backward step, but to be intelligent about when you pick your disputes, really intelligent about when you pick your disputes. It's not smart to pick one every morning at, um, at, uh, at 7 o'clock. Um, uh, it's far better to, uh, as it were, um, uh, husband your capital well. Final point is, in dealing with China, because there's 1.4 billion of them and last time I looked, 25 million of us, um, it's always better when you're about to uh, have a disagreement with our friends in Beijing to make sure that you've teamed up with some others as well Mm. rather than just being on your Pat Malone. Mm. There you go. There are some reflections. Mm. Um, Kevin, on October 10, you called for a Royal Commission of the Strength and Diversity of Australian News Media and uh, you put out a petition that over half a million people signed. Um, what's the status of that campaign and what happens next? The um, Yeah, well, basically, I just think it's all gone too far with the concentration of media ownership in Australia. Murdoch has uh, ownership of 70% of the print readership in Australia. Up here in the People's Republic of Queensland, it's uh, 100%. And so it doesn't matter if you're in Cairns, the Cairns Post, the Townsville Bulletin, the Mackay Mercury, uh, the uh, Rockhampton Morning Bulletin, the Gladstone Observer, uh, the Bundaberg News Mail, uh, the Maribyrnong Chronicle, mm. Sunshine Coast Daily, Brisbane Courier Mail, Gold Coast Bulletin, and all the ones I missed are all owned by Murdoch. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a good thing for a democracy. Mm. And nationwide, every Every capital city's tabloid is owned by Murdoch, except in Perth. Mm. So, um, so I just think it's unhealthy for democracy. In fact, I think it's a cancer on the democracy. So, I hope through this petition, we get um, federal or state governments to can put together a royal commission to look at the impact of the abuse of media monopoly power, but B to bring in a decent set of um, media regulations for the future, which maximise diversity 
and maximise, as it were, the separation of factual reporting from editorial opinion. Mm. So that people in a democracy get to make up their own mind rather than being told by some old bugger in New York what to think. That's... um. The, the petition itself was so popular that it crashed the parliamentary website on the first weekend. I mean, it's, it's since become the most signed e-petition in the history of Australia, even surpassing last year in 2019, the petition that demanded for a, a climate change emergency be declared. I mean, what do you think this says about the appetite, um, at least in certain sectors of Australia's, you know, appetite for the suppression of, um, you know, Murdoch? Oh, I think um, it's been like cricket. You know, people just want a fair go. Hmm. Like whether you're a Labor, Liberal, National Party or Calathumpian, people, you know, there's a genuine Australian sense of democracy, a natural sense of democracy, which is that uh, every person should be have an opportunity to put their view, uh, to present facts and then present their opinion on what should be done about the facts. And I think right across Australia, particularly over the last decade, people have just had a gutful of it going too far. Another, another example in 19 out of the last 19 federal and state elections in the last 10 years, uh, the Murdoch media have campaigned viciously for one side of politics and viciously against another side of politics. I'll let you guess which is which. Mm. Uh, I don't think that passes the fair go test. Um, so all I want is diverse media. I don't want a pro-Labor media. I don't want a pro-Conservative media. I just want a diverse media. Uh, so that people in our democracy and our local communities as well get to read the news, understand where facts are, understand where the opinion lies and form their own judgment about um, how they want the country or their state or the community governed. So where does it all go to from here? Bucket of I know. But, um, but I'm out there um, uh, lining up at the, the Volta Street end every morning and, uh, <laughs> and doing my best to pound in uh, and, uh, and uh, throw them uh, and uh, bowl them uh, something, hopefully whistling in the in the sweet spot just outside the off stump. Mm. Or throw them too, you know, if you have to chuck it as well. I mean, it is, it is a blood sport. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Kevin, w- w- what do you say to those people, and it would be us as well, you know, who, who might point out that while there's some, you know, really salient points that you've raised about the concentration of media in Australia, that within News Corp, for example, there's some really good people doing really good work, especially in sport, for example, which perhaps may not be as much of a blood sport in a media sense. Uh, there's lots of colleagues of ours who do great stuff. Are, are we to uh, reconsider our KO subscriptions? I just want to watch that sweet cricket. Um, or, or, or is it a, a different approach we should take as citizens entirely? Well, look, you know, it is a vast beast, um, the Murdoch Empire. Um, And I spend most of my time living in America. I run an American think tank. I'm usually based in New York. Uh, We would not have had Trump's America were it not for Murdoch's Fox. Mm. That's just the truth of it. It's an echo chamber for far right and slightly, I mean, not centre-right, far-right, crazy politics. Why do 40% of Americans refuse to consider taking the vaccine? Because they've been told that the science is wrong. Why does 40% of Americans don't not believe the science on climate change? Because I've been told through Fox the science is wrong. I just think all that is bad. Now, having said that, I actually know people in Fox in the United States who try to do a good job in their journalism, and I respect them for sort of slogging it, slogging away day in, day out. So I'm not in the business of slagging uh, each and every um, journalist who works for... Uh, news corporation because a lot of them are trying to do the right thing 
But when I look at the editors and uh, and uh, the Bröderbund who kind of run the show um, at the top, um, you know, the uh, the chief executives. Uh, management, uh, there is a patently ideological and business agenda driving everything, uh, which is to maximise Murdoch's profits and to maximise a particular brand of uh, far-right ideology. Mm. And I just don't think that's healthy. So, yeah, like you, you know, journalists have got to earn a quid and they're out there trying to do their best, whoever they work for. Mm. But when you start to look up the editorial line, to get ahead in News Corporation, it's basically uh, who kisses the ring of the master. It, it's interesting because you need to use the the media. Well, it's helpful to use the media to get your message out about this, Kevin. Uh, and you've been talking a little bit about the sorts of the sort of uh, retribution that can come your way. Or you, you mentioned earlier, if you stand at the Vulture Street end and try and bowl a few bumpers at News Corp. Uh, have you come across journalists or storytellers who might have been reluctant to engage in this? Uh, you know, very fair conversation for fear of it being held against them down the track. Yeah, you see, one of the reasons, one of the other reasons I'm doing what I'm doing on the Murdoch Media at present is that in Australia there's a real culture of fear that if you take on the Murdoch beast and simply uh, uh, make clear how they manipulate the news each day, as I've sought to do in recent uh, months and years, um, what they don't report and how they report what they report and the bias which is evident across the lot of it. Uh, very few people do this in Australia because um, they know from past experience that Murdoch will try and take your head off, um, then destroy your, your character. Uh, and if that's not enough, then extract your left carotid artery, snap it in front of your eyes and then chew it up for breakfast uh, and then spit it out on the pavement. And, just, and then ask the question rhetorically, have I made myself clear? Um, um, so, And there are many politicians whose heads are still on pikes outside the city wall who have done this before. And so, uh, and so sensible people look at this and say, wow, yeah, yeah, I don't think we'll get into this. Um, it like a healthy occupation for me. Um, uh, in my case, for example, since I launched this petition, uh, I've lost count in the last month how many uh, front page and page three attacks on me uh, for, as I said, assorted crimes against humanity. Um, and then once you actually dig into each article, uh, you'll find all the equivocating clauses uh, under the headline, which is Rudd, you know, uh, a secret relationship with Hitler. Uh, uh, Rudd, Stalin's first cousin. Uh, Rudd, and known to have frequented bars with Osama bin Laden. Uh, and, 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 you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to have a thick skin, but it's wrong that we've got a culture of fear. Anyone in this country and our proud Australian democracy who's got a view about the media and a view about power in the media should be able to express their view as a journo, as a politician or a broadcaster and not fear that they're going to be eviscerated the next morning. That's just unhealthy. It's kind of mafioso-like. It's just wrong. 
Many of our listeners and viewers, Kevin, will, will be thinking, well, how does this relate to me? And, and you know, Ian Chappell has spoken in the last couple of years that climate change, of all the sports that will be affected by climate change, cricket's actually one of the first ones that will see the impacts. In fact, that, you know, already cricket has seen impacts around the world due to climate change, you know. And there were some publications in Australia last year, basically on the back of the bushfires, which were like, ah, it was probably arsonists who did that. You know, it, but it's not just in Australia, you know, it was, um, you know, Ben Stokes last year brought legal action to the Sun, obviously owned by Murdoch for a public, uh, a story that was um, about his family, which was some 31 years earlier. I mean, is there, is there any sort of place for these publications at all? Look, um, sometimes uh, journalists and newspapers will just get it wrong mm. because they made a mistake. Um, sometimes it's deliberate. Uh, the key thing is what is the, the redress when a mistake is made? And the customary attitude of news corporations when they um, defame you, uh, then uh, maybe on page 97 of the paper, uh, four years later, you'll see a paragraph which says, oh, yeah, we, we got that one wrong. Uh, in the meantime, the damage is done. Let me give you one little example. You may or may not remember the uh, news corporation stitch up on me years ago about uh, uh, allegedly being in Afghanistan, not being able to find a hairdryer to fix up my hair. <laughs> This is the Kevin Rudd hairdryer incident. That's pretty funny. Anyway. <laughs> Why'd you do it? Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's all bullshit. You know, I, I just, you know, it just never happened. Your hair doesn't look good. Yeah. There overnight, and you certainly wouldn't need a hairdryer, mate. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, That's what it feels like. So, so anyway, so it splashed all across the, the, uh, the uh, Murdoch media. Kevin Rudd... Uh, uh, Loses, uh, loses his shit um, in Afghanistan with diggers because no one could find him a hairdryer to do his hair. It was a bald-faced lie. It just never happened. Then if you bothered to look at the newspapers over the subsequent weeks, they kind of just crab-walked their way eventually to a position which said, yeah, we really didn't have any sources for that story at all. So that's me. It must happen to a whole bunch of people. Um, out there in the community. But because they've become such a swaggering, arrogant pack of um, buggers, uh, this uh, Murdoch culture, they think they can get away with it because no one will stand up and say that's just wrong and unfair. And then if you challenge it, they say, ah, you're trying to suppress um, press freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, with freedom of the press, there also comes a responsibility to correct your errors or when you're putting a story in the first place to pass the basic journalistic test. Do you have two sources for this story? Uh, Secondly, have you asked the person for comment before you publish something negative against them? These basic principles are routinely ignored and abused by the Murdoch media every day of the week. Mm. Uh, Kevin, just finally, uh, for those out there thinking that uh, this may be some kind of partisan play from the great cricketer, I mean, we wrote a note to uh, Mr Howard's office this morning, uh, you know, a, a noted cricket tragic, asking if he'd like to come on the, the podcast later down the track. Now, like, how satisfying is it that Mr Howard, as a uh, cricket tragic, still holds uh, that footage for the, the worst delivery ever bowled? And then when we look up Kevin Rudd on YouTube, you're actually playing quite a few good, good few shots through the offside. Mm. Yes, mate. Well, I, go, I put it back to my coach at the Andina Sea team. Yeah. Um, Desi Bargain Quest was his name. And Desi used to look at me and shake his head. And, um, and then we'd go back into the nets for another try, another try. And my eye-hand coordination was probably about three seconds behind, you know, see a ball and then react three seconds later. And uh, never quite worked. But 
uh, yeah, I always like rolling my arm over in the backyard with the kids or whatever. It's, it's kind of fun. Uh, and I know enough just to get myself out of trouble, just to get myself out of trouble. And as for John Winston Howard the, um, and his famous delivery uh, in the hills of Pakistan, I think it was, mm. um, never ever laugh at another player's problems. Uh, it just invites very bad karma. So I say good on you, John, for having a go. <laughs> yeah, but he said the ball got stuck in his it hand kind of thing, hand, yeah. but he had a few goes at it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think you would have been – uh, in your office, the, the, the brief would have been delivered in the morning saying, well, what are we going to do with this, guys? Uh, it, it must have been like a Christmas gift. Well, the funny thing is when I was Prime Minister, what we used to do in Prime Minister's office in Canberra, it was about uh, probably 12, 15 metres long, the Prime Minister's office. So uh, Faulkner, when he was um, Defence Minister, John Faulkner, uh, I had this bat given to me, I think, by the Pakistan side. So I'd be up one end of the office and he'd be down the other and uh, and he would uh, roll them over and uh, used to freak the rest of the staff out completely <laughs> because uh, when, when I did connect, the ball would go anywhere within the office and there'd be glasses everywhere. And <laughs> Very so, good. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was good fun. And uh, we had a little courtyard outside the Prime Minister's office too. You might even find some footage of a visit one day to the building by the uh, Australian Eleven, where I got to live uh, every childhood dream as uh, these guys uh, bowled me some lollipops uh, as I uh, as I tried to make myself look half presentable. Uh, they, they were very kind, very very kind. Oh, uh, you, you've been very kind to us this morning, Kevin Rudd, former Prime Minister of Australia, mm. uh, for, for joining us. I know you've got a busy day. No doubt this was the um, biggest hardball interview you did yeah. have to do today, in fact, this month. But uh, thanks very much for coming on uh, and enlightening us around the parallels between grade cricket and the blood sport of politics and beyond. It's good. And, uh, may none of us ever score a golden duck. <laughs> well, in my case, again. Again and again. <laughs> you don't have to keep doing the metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks very much, Kevin. Good with you. Now, Ian, and I will refer to you as your first name. It's weird. The UK has approved the Pfizer vaccine for use. Yeah. Right? You can get that on their government websites. Now, you might say, he goes, that that's going to act as a bit of a saviour. You might say that. Yep, that's very specific language. <laughs> you might say, "Where's he going?" That acts as a bit of a saviour, a saviour for our health. Yeah, a saviour for the economy. Yeah, uh, and you have to pick one. It's either health or the economy. That's your life. That's all right. Yes. It's binary. Yes, you can't sit in a scale with that's it. That's right. No, you're no a health scales. person or you're an economy person, and your vote is decided accordingly. Yes. Uh, so as we gather to celebrate our dear friends at Budgie Smuggler, as is our want at this time in the show, mm-hmm. um, and they are offering a full gamut of kit around Christmas time, you know, Christmas gifts, smugglers, smuglets, shirts, whatever kit you can think of, even gear in the 10 to $20 range for your secret Santa needs. That's right. Scrunchies. Um, we want to talk about saviours because you can chuck some your own design on if you want. You don't need to mm-hmm. in this iteration of the budget ad, mm-hmm. but you can. So I'm thinking about some saviours, mm-hmm. saviours of Australian cricket and beyond. I looked up saviours. I Googled, I Googled cricket saviours. Cricket saviour. Here's what came up. Bob Simpson. Hmm, why? Well, uh, he, at the time at when the he time came in he came as a coach in, yeah. and great player, he yeah, actually yeah. came back for Australian cricket at the age of forty-one as well to help out a little bit to play. One of the weirder, yeah. um, one of the weirder three hundreds Test match three hundreds. You watch, I remember you watching that in full. 
Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, no, what I mean is like, don't get me wrong, wonderful player. But you think of like, to score 300 yeah. is fucking amazing. Yes. Is Bob Simpson fucking amazing? Yeah, he was. Okay. I, you want to check that out. Okay. He used to also take slips catches by letting the ball hit his chest. That's how you take him. And, you know, we talk about fucking bench pressing. How about the next level? Let that flying pill hit your chest and, bar- and, Mate, and just I bump still, it up. I still think about that when, like, Wagner was hitting Wade and Wade was just letting it hit him. What? Yeah. Hurts. Cricket ball hurts. It can only mean one of two things. Either Bob Simpson had an incredible chest yeah. and great strength around it and was yeah. early into strength and conditioning, yeah. or, as we suspect, the ball's travelling around 80 k's an hour. <laughs> it was mostly fourth grade. Yeah. So he came back when he was 41. Just For a to, game just or to, two, Just to yeah. help run the club. Help out. Around the club yeah. of Australian Test cricket, I don't know if he was forty. But then he came back. Then he then he came into the side as a coach when Australia was yeah, as yeah, low yeah. as ever in the eighties yeah. and yeah. transformed around trans- fielding yeah, discipline. Right. The Simpson border axis was as um, ruthless as it got, really. Mm. So Bob Simpson, Ricky Ponting, yeah, that's not obvious. Yeah, Manus Labuschagne came up. He was a little bit of a savior of the Ashes, and he sort of savior of number three. Yeah, okay, um, Tim Payne makes sense. You Tim Payne, Mitch Payne's Marsh. On. That was a WA press. I, saw <laughs> I, I was just saying, he gets a, t- he gets a he tough gets go. He gets a tough go, he Mitch a Marsh. Tough go. Yeah. Great around the group. Cricket itself is a saviour. Cricket, it's yes, it is. Yeah. Would be. Um, Jason Sanger. Yeah. A few years, so a few years ago, Kerry O'Keefe uh, said he was a bit yeah, of a saviour when we were at a low seb. He had 100 when he was 19 and yeah. stuff. I still think he'll come on Jason Sanger eventually. He also um, bowled in the cap in the Shield at Park 25 in, this year. Indeed. Bowling Many people have, have bowled in the cap. I, heard, yeah. I read today Clary Grimmett bowled in the cap so that batters couldn't see where he wanted to pitch the ball. I don't understand that because hmm. that cap was a very short brim, like the sort of short brim yeah. that Tom Hanks was talking about in a League of Their Own. Yeah. The umpire, you look like a penis with that cap on. Now, that's Hanks talking. I'm not saying Clary Grimmett did, RIP, speaking no. ill of the dead, who also yeah. got Bramman out 10 times. 10 times. Um, and then finally, Saviour's, um, well, Brisbane Broncos winger Corey Oates, yeah. who said yeah. while wa- watching cricket while he had an infection earlier in the year was the only thing that kept him amused there's, while, there's he, a f- while he lay in hospital. So there's a few ideas for things you put in your budgies. Yeah, okay. What about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? According to some. Manus? You can't have Manus alone without... Our Lord and Savior. About the big fella. About the big boy upstairs. Talking big boys. About the big man. Yeah. It's a few bigger. It's a few bigger. Yeah, I mean, anyway, those, those are some ideas. Some ideas to put on your budgie smuggler kit, which you can get at budgiesmuggler.com. Hashtag AskTGC. Um, just before we get into that, Pez, I just want to say a huge thank you to all the people who've recently joined the Patreon yes. service at patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. There's many great stories there and we really appreciate your support and for getting around us in these troubled, worrisome, weird times. And thank you for the feedback on the iPoke story. Yeah. From everybody. Lots of fantastic feedback. Glad you enjoyed it in the main, except for the one person who said it's just you blokes laughing, which is true. Then Did you look up that person's account, they have zero followers, zero posts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All the best. There you go. Um, Marcus Bird writes in, Pez. Birdie. Fuck. The trials and tribulations of a shit sports enthusiast in a COVID world. It's a subject. Dear Thousand Piece Higsaw Pezzle. <laughs> My question is only vaguely cricket related, but I like your pods and I'm a patron subscriber. So much like a medieval time peasant. Peasant. Yeah. Being asked a question by the king, you have to answer me. 
Lockdown 2.0 has been shit, not going to lie to you. Unable to really leave the house is annoying, and although no cricket would be played because it's fucking Baltic here in the UK, it's frustrating not being allowed to play sports. This means I haven't played golf in a month. Much like a cricketer who during the winter months shadow bats relentlessly and reminisces of the good times at the crease, I found myself shadow batting with a different kind of stick. And before Higgy Pop's mind turns dirtier than the Australian team during Australian team touring South Africa in 2018, I of course mean my golf clubs. Is this weird or is it rare? Are people allowed to shadow drive and wedge? Shadow putting is surely a step too far. Much akin to a cricketer craving the sweet rush of cricket during winter months, I also find myself thinking that when lockdown two winter edition ends, that I will be so much better at golf than I was before. Mm. I watched the masters and it didn't seem to, it didn't seem so hard. Hit the ball towards the flag and then put it in the hole. Easy. Having listened to your pod for a couple of years now, realizing I was thinking this immediately threw up a plethora of red flags. Golf is a sport based on repetition. I haven't played for a month and it's not like I was even good before Bojo locked us all away again. I was shit, but in my head now, I've matured as a player. I'm going to sit on my shots more carefully. I won't shank every every other shot right hand down into some thick bushel of trees before spending the next half hour trying to find it as I can't go home having lost 12 balls in one round of golf because a local Amazon driver will clearly start being suspicious of me ordering 24 new golf balls weekly. Please help. What do I do? Now I've realized... This is an issue. Does that mean I'll be at peace when I step up to the first tee and take out a divot of grass the size of the buggy whilst trying to hit the ball? Or should I, like many village cricketers do, avoid the problem, maybe tell people I've got COVID symptoms so they won't invite me to play in the ca- in case the golf ball, like the cricket ball, is a vector of disease? <laughs> Keep up the good work, lads, and sorry about writing an essay, but like I said, I'm a patron subscriber, so you have to read it out anyway, and just thought I'd try and get myself some airtime on your pod. <laughs> Marcus. You don't have to explain yourself, Marcus. As you, as you mentioned, you're our king. Uh, mm. Well, this is a tale of as, as old as time, he goes. And no, I'm not going to play Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> as I did on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, but it is a tale as old as time. I, I just want to share, I used to be addicted to golf. Did you? Yeah, uh, before children <laughs> moving to London. But I, I, like I spent the entirety of a four-month trip to Europe uh, just visualising because I wasn't playing golf over there. All I visualized just the whole time, just visualized creating that light draw on the ball, mm-hmm. you know, that dignified draw that is the hallmark of all decent golfers, being able to draw the ball. Slice, fading the ball, mm-hmm. yuck. Mm-hmm. Fading, fading in golf is very uh, lower grades. Mm-hmm. It's very park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit into out, isn't it? Well, it is into out. And actually, like the result of, like, if you swing a golf club like a cricket bat a little bit, you tend to get that, yeah. uh, that slicing effect. Uh, anyway, so I want to look like a good golfer. And, uh, it didn't do anything when I went back to play golf. It, everything felt really different. So, like, what we're talking about here is visualization. He's talking about visualization. You, uh, you're just staring blankly at me. Are we not talking about that? Um, which can be good. Like, you know, top athletes use imagery extensively to build on their strengths and help eliminate their weaknesses. Of course. Uh, to compete more effectively. It, it helps athletes regulate anxiety they experience to feel the flow and the groove of what they're doing. Um, to stay confident, focused, and mentally tough. But also, and there's been some academic research into this, you know, contrary to our dynamic phenomenological experience, visual imagery is severely limited by the perceptual and phenomenal bottleneck of visual representation, as you're following me there, nodding along. In other words, if your imagination is shit and you delude yourself into thinking you can do things you can't, research suggests it might be a complete waste of time. Mm -hmm. And Marcus, brother, 
you're thinking you can get around Augusta <laughs> with a couple of in a couple of shots up, get up and down, yeah, knock it in. Got a feeling your imagination's just a bit skew if there, mate. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what it's going to do, but it might be serving another purpose in lockdown. And this is where it'd be serious if those kind if those kind of daydreams are helping you get through lockdown, go for it all day. Just don't think you're going to be going sub ninety. Sub oh 80. yeah, breaking a hundred. Yeah, yeah. No, fuck that. I said sort of said sub. I never broke hundred, but yeah, sub ninety. Yeah. <laughs> sub ninety. As long as you can get around the course, at Augusta. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. At Augusta. Seems pretty, yeah. seems pretty easy. That's right. Um, so, so I don't think it's it's, it's of course it's a bit rare. You're talking about shadow golfing and stuff like that. But, it's, no, it's when, a you bit think, rare, but no, when you think about shadow golfing, because yeah. I think so, shadow batting in cricket, it's more it's less hands, more like front arm, so to speak. So if you're shadow yeah. batting. Trying to do it here, but it's yeah, like you're, you, you're leaning with the elbow a bit more than like the, I'm yeah. thinking. Like even though golf isn't played exclusively with the hands, it's more like a full body rhythmic motion. Mm. It's also a closed skill, you know. Like a, right. when you're shadow batting, you're imagining you where imagine the ball, ball. is yeah. usually yeah. exactly where you want it for yeah, the show yeah. you want to play. Whereas golf is a is a biomechanical experience. So like this say, connects to this and yeah. this. So if I'm shadow wedging. As is my want. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's more just hands. I'm just feeling that in the hands, just trying okay. to get the wrists through the ball, you know? Okay. Just sort of cut underneath it, trying to get a few more revolutions for the backspin. Well, it depends. Are you, are you doing a high iron there or. No, I'm talking just. I, sorry, wedging, I want to say wedge, but I'm just talking yeah. in, in and around the green. Wedge player. In around the green. Yeah. Breaking that wrist through. Yeah. Whereas, like, what's, what's, your, what's your go to shadow bat shot? Mine's just forward defense. I've tried I get, to. I get beaten a lot as well. My hands used to go too far in front of my body. I'm quite a handsy player. Yeah. But I just I have become a bit obsessed with like AB De Villiers late block. Okay. So I was trying to think about playing under my eyes. Now I haven't played cricket in about eight years. Yeah. But when I come back, I fully expect to be able to play the late block yeah. and have an extra Intense moment of cricket. time because AB De Villiers did a YouTube clip about it. Yeah, that's right. So does that help? Hope that helps. Anonymous writes in, G'day lads, brackets Al Higster Cook and Baba Pazam. Mm-hmm. Close brackets. While listening to your stellar Greg Chapel interview, I, turning 30 on in a few days, 25, under UK lockdown, began to reminisce on my cricket career and started questioning my future in the game. I've gone through a decent spectrum of cricket, playing once at 15, doing a test player through the gate, etc., before the classic leggy shoulder injury and subsequent reinvention as a batter, hacker, at a much lower level. My best days are long behind me, having swapped the flowing green lawns of Kent for Scottish parks and cricket for squash as my main sport. Cricket is objectively worse for me now. However, like Stockholm Syndrome each season, I still find myself playing as much as possible, taking on leadership roles and so on. Perhaps some of it is that vision that everyone has, hoping that my ones call-up lasts more than a week, or I can fizz the ball out of my fingers again, because we want cricket to one day be what it was at its greatest. However, if that was the case, I think, hope, I'd have given up long ago. Instead, I think my true motivation to keep playing at this level that hardly resembles what I knew as cricket is this podcast. I can hear your voices in my head as I stand at slip, champing new recruits lest I be champed myself. I can only imagine your reactions to some of the yuck I encounter and occasionally even provide nowadays. My role in the hierarchy is to pass down wisdom and runs and I embrace this gleefully, not to become I want, uh, sorry, not to because I want them to learn as that might lead to the threat of my alpha status, but for increasing my cricket's relevance to two blokes living rent-free in my head. I guess the questions of cricketing existentialism are as follows. 
My questions of cricketing existentialism are as follows. Would my continued involvement in cricket be justifiable to Greg Chappell? In fact, is it even justifiable to myself? Or should I just tell them all to subscribe to the TGC Patreon to learn the lessons I'm failing to teach them, retire so they can't use my weapons against me, and live out my weekends getting drunk on the sidelines instead because God knows I couldn't escape this game if I tried? Top work with the pod, lads. Got me through a rough season being on the reverse end of this in... Oz, and almost definitely wouldn't still be playing otherwise. Anon, those cricket Scotland is a small world. <laughs> yeah. Nice to hear from Scotland. Mm. I don't know if I've ever from Scotland before. You just wrote that to promote the Patreon again. Yeah, again. So. Yeah, I just I, I keep putting those in, even though when they don't write it. I'm a Scottish man today. Now, this is interesting. Now, he's done it. He's at 15. Or he didn't say it when he was 15, yeah. but he was playing ones we'll at play 15. He played first team cricket yeah. in Scotland when he was 15. Look, that's Was it in Scotland? Because he says Kent. Oh, well yes, okay, yes, Was that okay. later? Yeah, it, it, okay. The, the chronology is a little bit... Uh, a little bit, how you going? Yeah. A little bit, how you going? I got a test player out. Yeah, yeah through, test player. through the gate. Through now, the was gate. he trying to fucking Le- bomb you? Well... And just missed it? Could have been wrong, and if he's a leggy, the right-hander, but yeah. it could have been a left-hander. No, I understand well. through the gate, but like, you know, was it, was it he actually, has he actually done a test player through the My gate? My first thought spin. also was, and he's a Scotland player, but they haven't played test cricket, yeah. you know, was he being an international player? And if it's yeah. a Scottish player, does it kind of look like Scotland? Yeah. We have to take him at face value. He's done a test player okay. as a leggy before the yips happened. Okay, so Shane Warne's right. written in, and he's played a bit of cricket in Kent and Scotland. Okay, <laughs> that's what's happened. But he's got Stockholm Syndrome. Mm. Um, yeah, so so, so it's a should I keep playing? I'm a good player, but I'm yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there was also some stuff about, he's got some fears about, um, you know, like how to, how to deal with younger people and, what if they sledge him as well? So he's kind of yeah. got some fears about like the, the younger people coming through and his place in the game, of which he is really struggling. I can't really give him an answer because I think he already knows the answer. He's playing squash. You know, he's like getting into other sports, which I think Greg Chappell would be inclusive of. The Chappell's obviously famous baseball family. Mm. So, I mean, squash is – I feel like squash is um, rightfully so denounced in Australia because yeah. it's not alpha. Yeah. There's nothing alpha about squash. It's it's good fast agility. twitch. It's, very, it's a very difficult sport, don't yeah. get me wrong. Great for fitness. Great for fitness. Not good for your knees. Yeah. Got to say that. But it wasn't popular in, say, 1930 when Australia's culture was being kind That's of created. Right. That's right. And we've never had a great squash player. Mm. Therefore, mm. we don't really care about it. I feel for a non here as well because, How like, so? as a yipped up leggy, you create your cricketing identity and your dreams through your idea of bowling leg spin. Then, as it happens to all fifteen year olds, except for Shane Warner, Stuart McGill, mm-hmm. you get the yips. You get big. Every you get taller and and stronger, and then all of the feel of the ball goes away. Maybe your hands don't grow like yeah, now, mine. Now, what is that? Because like when you're fifteen, right, you're not using a full size ball yet. No, so- no, it's not, it's not full size ball. Well, like my theory was like. Up until the age of 15, because mm. you're weaker, you can throw the entire force of your body into a ball and toss it up in the air on astro pitches. You get lots of bounce, and the full force of your body lands the ball on a good length. But as you go through puberty, you become a pubescent, and you develop some hairs. Uh, you throw the full force of your body into the ball, and all of a sudden it's going over their head. I've become a pubescent. I'm a pubescent. <laughs> I'm a pubescent young man. I read young, young adult fiction. What are these hairs, Daddy? <laughs> and, and shut up and bow your wronging. And all of a sudden, the full force of your body through the ball results in full tosses. You overcorrect. Now it's short. Now you're having to use your fingers and your wrist to kind of land the ball. But it's got to have some base. Now you're playing against other pubescents. Some of the men have muscles. And those- <laughs> you laugh. It's true. 
some, some of, of the, the men have muscles. Some of the men have muscles, Dad, and they can now At take time. You mean they're they can, muscles? They can take full account of those mistakes, those little that, that smaller margin for error. You're not playing on AstroTurf no more, brother. Uh-uh. You're playing on turf cricket, so you ain't getting that bounce. Those those balls aren't going through the chest anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're getting lined up by big blokes. You're bigger yourself. The whole feel of it's gone. And so for Anon, he was on his way as a 15 year old. Yeah. All of a sudden, he had to complete got the yips. Had to completely recreate his cricket career and create yeah. it and forge a new identity. Yes. What he found out was he was shit at batting and everything else mm. and so in his head he's like I was good but now I can't do that thing and in fact I'm worse at that thing than everything else I'm shit mm. so who am I so he's now trying to be a vuncular and a mentor to other people and they're starting to fuck him off then he hears Greg Chappell say man if you're no good at 20 fuck off out of here mm-hmm. get out of here let someone else play he's mm. like I play squash should I play squash I hate squash mm. he's confused and he turns to us I wonder but I wonder Pez like, non, to Anon's point like it, was he ever good you know, because what you're describing there we is got like... He's got a test player through the gate. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 okay. In the nets, though. But I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was it nets? Throwdowns. Yeah. Not 15 yards. He wasn't looking. Yeah. <laughs> throwdowns. <laughs> <laughs> got him on the front pad. He just actually pegged one in throwdowns. Like, so I got him through the gate. Yeah. I done you there, Bradman. But, like, I wonder, like, you're, you're describing there at 15, like, the AstroTurf is, like, that, that, that's a centrepiece, that story. And then that, that kind of, like, you know, hides all sins because, because it's like, you can buy a shit ball, but it bounces fucking through some cunt's chest, some cunt's, yes like, 12. No. Yes and no. AstroTurf is a true surface, you know. Like, it, you're not going to get a lot of gremlins. It's just bounce, you know. So it's turf not can, true in terms of, like, yeah, with spin, though. If you toss it up, then it does go through. How well, do your ball go through the chest? It's consistency. It's consistent. Like, as in, when the ball bounces, right. you have a... You, you get the feel of it. You know what it's, how it's going to behave. Yes. Whereas a turf wicket, it's like mm. bounces there. How high is that going to go? Mm. Bounces how, how far is so this going like, to spin? So uh, it's like it's like rebound ace. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's exactly like rebound ace uh, mm. Australian Open tennis courts. Hey, let's finish off the show uh, where we had a prime minister on from a message from Toby. And before you read this one, he goes, oh, yeah. it's a great story. Certain um, elements of it I think should be left out because I think there's GST on it. Do you know what I mean? Or are you going to go through the whole thing? Oh, I can just go through the whole thing. Okay. I don't think I don't think all of it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, that's the disclaimer. Yeah. Let's just see what it says. Let's see what it says. Now, that's not an invitation to start writing some fucking other wild bullshit that yeah. you've just made up uh, in your they've head. They've been doing that for years. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what Toby says. Let's see what Toby says. Let's see what he says. It's a good story. Ask TGC. Dear peasant, he goes, my lack of intelligence may come up with funny names too much for me. Good start. As a descendant of the mighty Victor Trumper, fact-checked through a private genealogist. So this is Toby Trumper. <laughs> sure, that's his name. You laugh. Same as Gideon Haig's cat, known as Trumper. Oh, my God. His name's Toby Trumper. You've actually looked this up? He, he, um, there's no kid there. He's, his name's Toby Trumper. Oh, I'm sorry for laughing, Toby. Mm. That's a great name. <laughs> no chance you're related to the great Victor Trumper. <laughs> so funny. I'm related to Victor Trumper. Good gag. Yeah. I cannot tell you how disappointed my family are my family and I are with my cricketing ability. My highest score in 12 years of cricket is still 41, and I only managed to hit my first six last year on an Astro wicket with the help of a very short leg side boundary. Despite that, I still label myself a valuable all-rounder that can spin it both ways as long as the wicket is used is a used slow track. Anyhow, I have a question for you based on a story from almost a year and a half ago. It was the day before the World Cup final and having been on a night out in London the night before to celebrate my birthday and also to drown my sorrows due to the fact I found out that day I had to retake half of my first year at uni, I really fancied an early night before what could be the biggest day of my life as a cricket fan. However, it was my friend's birthday party that day and duty called for me 
to celebrate it with him and his friends. Tired and hungover, I made my way to a pub by the side of the Thames and started nursing a few pints while socialising with people I had not met before in my England World Cup shirt. Anyhow, four pints in, two, someone asked the question, anyone a cricket fan here? My eyes lit up and I shouted out that I myself was an obsessive to the point where I had to occasionally ask myself, do I devote too much time to cricket? And should I focus on other things such as my studies, my social life and my future employability? He told me that he thought there was an England cricketer drinking on another table. I looked over and saw a young gingerhead man, Ollie Pope. Having to hold back the sudden emergence of a crease around my upper thigh region, I decided that he was having a quiet night and I wouldn't want to disturb uh, and he wouldn't want to be disturbed by an annoying pesky teenager, 21. So I lay low. A few points later, I decided that my original conservative view was indeed pointless. With a bit of Dutch courage, I meandered over to his table to ask if I could buy him a beer. Upon reaching the, ta- the, upon reaching the table, I realised that Popey, nickname basis, wasn't the only cricketer there. He was also joined by Tom Curran in the World Cup squad, due to be at Lords the next day, and Sean Abbott. My heart was beating at about 140 clicks and shaking. I asked them if they would like... (laughs) Just to show how quick it was. Yeah. (laughs) Shaking. I asked them if they would like a beer. Popey neither declined nor accepted alongside Curran. However, Abbott proclaimed, mate, you're the first bloke who's recognised me since I've been with you poms. I'd love one. Realising that I only had enough money to buy Popey a drink, I used the length of the queue to my advantage to call my dad and beg for a bank transfer for what I could describe as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to him. I took four Camden Pale Ales, other brands available, back to the table with a large smile on my head. <laughs> Popey reluctantly accepted his beer. Already pissed off, this spotty little twat was ruining his evening. Abbott grabbed his beer off me and started drinking straight away, and Curran politely declined his, declaring he had a busy day tomorrow. I was testing him. I asked for a picture of Popey and I, which Abbott used as an opportunity to fill up my camera roll with selfies of himself. <laughs> they are still on my bedroom wall. Anyway, after sitting with them for about 20 minutes, mainly speaking to Abbott about his plans to get in the Australian Test Squad for the Ashes that summer, despite not, de- despite not agreeing with him, I fully backed him to take the place of Pat Cummins. Abbott decided to ask me, where do I go to get a shag tonight, mate? I need, I need to sample the English talent. Bit of GST. Yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. I need to sample the English talent. <laughs> and he's asking Toby Trumper. Yeah, Toby Trumper wearing a full England kit. <laughs> Here's a bloke who knows his way around that scene, I reckon. <laughs> I saw this as an opportunity to tell him that the club I was going, that I was going, had the highest success rate north of the river for single men, one of the worst clubs in the world. Popey, shall we go there tonight? Asked Abbott. There is no chance you're getting me out tonight, he replied. I could tell that it, I could tell I could tell that in order not to dampen any future business opportunities with Ollie Pope, the future of English cricket, it was best I thanked them for their time and wandered back to my friends. Anyhow, fast forward three hours later, I was aimlessly walking around a dance floor with not much awareness of where I was. That was until my eyes caught sight of the same ginger hair I'd seen earlier. Popey! I shouted as I walked over to him to give him a nice sweaty hug. Despite the loud music, I could still hear him sigh. <laughs> Abbott embraced me with a very warm welcome and thanked me for the beer. He asked if I wanted a Jagerbomb, which I insisted I would buy. Next thing I knew, I had just done three rounds of Jagerbombs with the future of English cricket and Abbott, who I decided was a great bloke. After looking for talent across the dance floor with Abbott, mm. he decided it was time to make his move, and him and Popey bid farewell to me. It was emotional. I really felt the foundations had been laid for a strong friendship between the three of us. 
I can't tell you what happened over, over the course of the next few hours. I had made prior arrangements to stay at my mate's house. However, my phone was out I had, and I had no idea where he lived. Being the good man that he is, he decided to come and find me at the club and drag me home. He himself had had a few drinks and the bouncer refused to let him in. He wasn't a good looking blonde bird. He had a look in the smoking area where he saw Popey. I had already told him I had seen him earlier that night. Mate, I'm so sorry to bother you, but is there any chance you've seen my friend, he says. He says that he has met. Who? The cunt in the England shirt? Yeah, he's on the dance floor, I presume, Ollie Pope replied. Naturally, upon waking up and hearing this in the morning, I was upset. However, it, didn't, it doesn't stop there. Later that summer, I went to a grade cricketer live show on my own. With no one to talk to, I spotted a familiar face, Abbott's. I thought I'd go and see if, if, he had got, if he ever got lucky that night. Hey, Sean, do you remember me from that night out the day before the World Cup final? Nah, mate, who on earth are you? <laughs> he proceeded to turn around and continue his original conversation. I was left speechless and upset that that, that night was all in vain. Luckily, at the great cricketer, did like one of my tweets from earlier that day, so not all was lost in my sad fucking cricket-orientated life. My question is to you, why do cricketers hate me so fucking much? Boys, cheers for the weekly content. I'm loving the Patreon. And I hope to see you live on stage again soon. Best wishes, Toby Trumper. P.S. Pez, it is awfully kind of you to follow me on Instagram. I'm not sure why you do, but it makes me feel powerful when I slide into the DMs of a famous Australian cricketing icon. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, Toby Trumper, see. That's fine yes. for the follow. Yes. All good. Uh, so a few things first. Yeah. Yeah. As the, as the cricketers like to say, a bit of mayo, I, I'd imagine on that. Right. Um, I don't think... I don't think Sean Abbott's saying, shall we retire to the dance floor or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, Sean Abbott's a good, a good fella as well. All the things that we've... Um, he is a nice uh, guy. Yeah, all the dealings we've had with him. And we'll be the arbiter of well. who is and isn't a nice guy. Exactly. Well, the, the, core, the core question, why do cricketers hate me so fucking much? It's not, it's not just you, Toby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about utility, you know? <laughs> right. If you can be of utility, it's not just cricketers, yeah. but anyone... With over ten thousand followers on social, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can be yeah. of utility, whether it be in the form of beers, mm-hmm. Canton Pale Ales, if you will, and you will, mm-hmm. Other going, brands yeah, circuiting, what and whatnot. Then, nah, that's all. That's all well and good, uh, but uh, you know, turn up to a live show and someone's just talk, chatting with someone else, and you just want to ask them how they went in the circuit. They're like, "I've never seen you in my life." <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate. Who on earth are you? I mean, we had that with Brad Hodge last year, or the year before, two years ago when we interviewed him. Mm. We had a great interview with him. It went really, really well at mm. Channel 7 in person. Probably our best one. And then six hours later, we went to say goodbye to him in literally the same place, and he just blanked us like he'd never seen us. <laughs> forgot he, about that. You remember that? See you later, Hodgie. He's just like, yeah. what? What? He's like, it's like a kid who sees a, a teacher outside the context of school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like kid just sees a teacher in, in the shopping centre. It's like, mm. oh, my God, I, I literally see you every day. It's like, what are you doing here? You're, you're there. You're, you're from there. that yeah. context. You're yeah. that. Yeah. And that night, um, Toby, you were just the bloke buying him Jaegers and, and beers and helping him with the circuit. The next night, he's like, I don't know what that is. Whenever you next saw him at the, the London live show, he was like, what's that? I don't know what this is. Also funny that Abbott came to a live show. We didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Well, Toby, if you wore your England cricket um, shirt more, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend doing that too often, yeah. mate. If you if you're interested in being, I suppose, utilized respected. socially, respected as a person, meeting a woman, mm. any of those things. Adults wearing repli- replica international cricket kits discuss. 
Let's just check those hard drives. <laughs> Thank you very much to the Honourable Kevin Rudd. <laughs> Thank you for Victor he wrote, he wrote one thousand two hundred seventy-eight word story. <laughs> Ripped him. Check your hard drives, yeah. brother. Uh, thank you, uh, the descendant of the Victor Trumper, uh, to write into the show. Thank player. you to Kevin Rudd. He was a good stick. Uh, thank you, Kevin Rudd, being the show. Thank you to everyone listening out there. See you guys on Patreon during the week. or the rest of you, see you guys next week. <laughs>